Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well That's done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could have edited that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I said all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V, and today I'm at the Words on the Waves Writers' Festival at U Minor. And here with me is Malcolm Knox. Welcome, Malcolm. Hi, Danny. Good to be with you. It is lovely to meet you. Now, Malcolm is the former literary editor and award-winning cricket writer of the Sydney Morning Herald. He's won three Walkley Awards and is the highly acclaimed author of seven novels and works of fiction. That's pretty impressive, Malcolm. <laughs> oh, it sounds impressive, doesn't it? Uh, who, who are you talking about? <laughs> now, you spoke this morning about some very important topics in your session about truth, brains and money. And, of course, your book is called Truth is Trouble. Can you tell listeners a little bit about what you talked about and how it related to your book? Oh, we talked about life, the universe and everything. Um, I think where we zeroed in in our discussion was um, around the, uh, the university sector, actually, and uh, where it's going and um, uh, what alternatives are offered to university um, students of, of today. Um, and uh, then how that how, how that is a reflection of the you know the broader um, political conditions that, that we live under um, I, I actually I was a spectator for most of the session I, I was really enjoying um, the contributions from Rick Morton and Bree Lee and uh, I highly recommend both of their books mm, absolutely and their books are fantastic but it's really interesting the changing way of education because I mean, I know the classroom hasn't really changed that much in a hundred years or so. I mean, I know pedagogy has. So what were some of the changes you were talking about at universities? Um, well, the defunding of universities um, has uh, led to quite profound changes in the quality of education offered to, to students. Because it's happened uh, steadily and slowly over about a 30-year period in Australia, um, I, I don't think most people 
notice from year to year. And if you look at it from the other end of the of the um, the transaction, if you are a student entering a university and a parent supporting that student, um, you're you're still thinking a degree is necessary and a university is a good place to go. Um, so at a time when university um, funding has been eviscerated, we're getting record high numbers of enrolments. Um, uh, and enrolments by students who are getting a, a very different um, experience of university education from their parents. We, we all, all the speakers in the session thought that there's a time fast approaching where um, where everybody wakes up and realises, you know, it's like the, the, the frog in the boiling um, pot of water, <laughs> yes. that um, uh, there will be a point coming very soon where the frog won't tolerate it anymore and um, that will be reflected in university enrolments, uh, which in turn will be reflected in um, questions of, of what we do now. That's very, very interesting, particularly because we live in such a rapid time of change. I mean, I think, you know, the last 20 years or so, there's been a huge rapid um, change in all things. And do you think universities have been keeping up? Um, <clears throat> I think they were, they were trying, but they were, uh, their, their economic model was based um, so comprehensively on funds from overseas students yeah. that um, when, uh, due to COVID, the, the income from overseas students was, was suddenly uh, stripped away. Um, it was as if most of our universities were caught, uh, in, in, you know, caught, caught naked, and the result is that what should be their central um, uh, business, which is the provision of education to the majority of the students, um, was revealed as being as being lacking in in many many ways, um, uh, and uh, you know today's uh, particularly undergrad students are the ones who are suffering. But it's not um, uncommon, I think, because I think all of us are trying to scramble to keep up with this changing world. I feel like we're the guinea pigs in some way of so many things, particularly with internet, social media. It's like we're the guinea pigs surviving all this for the first time and what will come of that? Yeah, yeah. And um, look, I, I'm probably uh, at an age where, uh, I, you know, I feel I'm one of those who's passing the baton to um, a generation of people in their 20s and 30s. And, you know, to be honest, um, they're welcome to it. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I was expecting some kind of advice, but yeah, you're welcome to it. Yeah, good, I like that. I like that. Now, your book, Truth is Trouble, I love the title of Truth is Trouble. Tell us about why Truth is Trouble. Give us an elevator pitch as to what your book is about. Oh, I can't claim any credit for the title. It's a quote from, from Toni Morrison, the, the late great American author. Um, the, the book is about the, um, the events that transpired after Israel Folau, the, uh, the footballer in Australia, um, made comments quoting uh, the Bible about homosexuality and he uh, lost his job um, uh, due to uh, those beliefs and the consequences that, that unfolded. So that, that's the spine of the story, but really the, the book is about um, what what exploded out of the corners of that story and and these are um, cracks within our society along many different lines and the essence of it is that these lines are not clear it's you know people might think we're in one camp and the other people are in the other camp but the more you look into that story as applies i think to to most issues that exercises you you 
find yourself in the same camp as your enemy as much as you are with your friend. And um, uh, that confuses a lot of people and it's something that uh, we have to adapt to very quickly. Mm, that's really fascinating. So what, what compelled you to write this book? Why was it important for you to write this particular book? Well, it seemed a book very much about now, uh, a, a book that um, uh, couldn't have been written even two or three years ago, um, uh, and, and may not be the type of book that could be written two or three years hence. Um, so as a, as a journalist, uh, it, it felt um, that it was something quite unique uh, to, to this moment in time. Was it something different from what you've written before? Because you've got lots yeah. of, you know, obviously you've done lots of work before, but this was quite different. Yeah, yeah, very different. But, um, uh, you know, I've, I've had a, a fairly diverse um, uh, yeah. career in, in, in different modes of journalism. And, and you know, that's uh, one of the things you do as a, as a jobbing writer. <laughs> you know, you follow, you follow the story wherever it goes. An award-winning cricket writer. That's pretty Australian. Tell us about that part of your life. <laughs> well, yeah, for, for a few years... Um, back in my um, early 30s and then for the last uh, 10 years I've um, covered cricket for for the Sydney Morning Herald and um, uh, the Age newspapers and um, uh, you know that's 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 one of the things I do and and look cricket cricket is a fun um, subject to write about because you get a lot of freedom uh, freedom to express yourself that you wouldn't get um, uh, in a lot of other areas of journalism. And also, what I like about it is that you're writing for a very educated audience, okay. and um, you know your audience always holds you to account. Yeah. And um, I do enjoy the fact that as as a cricket writer, you are writing for a lot of people who know as much, if not more, about the subject than you do. No so pressure. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know I, I, I do. You know, it, it hurts sometimes when you make a mistake um, or if people disagree very strongly with your opinion, um, but uh, it, it is one of those areas where um, you, uh, you feel you can write strongly and be kept accountable by your audience. I like that. And no pressure with Australian cricket. People are very <laughs> passionate about that. Here. They are. They are. <laughs> now, with this book, a bit of a different book that you wrote from you know, your other works, do you have a writing process or did you have a writing process with this book? Was it beginning to end? Was it research? Was it... How did it work? Jigsaw puzzle? Yeah, um, my writing process depends on the book I'm writing. So every book has its own process. This, this was more like a... Um, a piece of long-form journalism where I had to do a lot of a lot of interviewing and uh, a lot of uh, first-hand uh, experiencing of the things I was writing about unfortunately it was during 2020 that I was writing it so uh, where I thought I would be going around um, talking to people poking my nose here and there I was poking my nose in virtually in in 2020 and um, so that of course um, affected the process and look um, it it can lead to, to greater efficiencies um, as a writer, but I do look forward to the time when uh, we are freer to explore physically because mm. I don't think there is any substitute for no, it. No, absolutely not. I agree. I think we're all craving that in 2020. Do you yeah. think that maybe some of I know the interview might have been lost over Zoom or whatever platform do you use? Do you think you could have got more out of your person or do you think everyone just got used to it by then? Yeah, look, uh, there are physical cues um, that you get uh, uh, in person 
Um, and for a writer like me, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of an observational writer, so um, I do I do look at things very closely as well as just you know take down and transcribe the, the words I'm hearing. Um, because people communicate in, in so many different ways, um, so yes, yeah, so I, I find that I find that goes both ways, uh, both your observation of the person you're interviewing and the way they see you and the way they respond to you. Um, there, you know, there, there are. It, it's a blessing that we have the technology um, that that got us through that period. Um, but I, I hope it doesn't become a new normal. Mm. I think people miss being with people, and we can see that today. Yeah. The words on the waves, everyone's having a beautiful time. We've got you know a whole lot of people in the room, and it's just a beautiful. And we were going to interview outside with this beautiful view, but um, we're in the kitchen. <laughs> so you know, writing podcasting is always very glamorous. I'll have to take a picture of that. <laughs> what do you love about a writers' festival? Uh, I did a few virtual festivals um, during the, the lockdown period in 2020 and um, uh, oh, you, you, you really do miss um, uh, the, uh, the, the personal experience of people because as a writer you're working in isolation all the time yeah. uh, anyway and to, to write is always an act of faith in an audience that you don't actually know whether they're there or not. <laughs> so at the very least going to a writers' festival gives you... Um, uh, uh, evidence, tangible evidence that there are real readers who do exist and they're not just faces on a screen. Mm, I like that. And you can get that immediate reader feedback, I guess. You know, he's signing books and all those things. Yeah, so. yeah, and people people ask questions that, that they wouldn't ask mm. if they were if they were sitting um, behind a screen. Yeah, that's um, true. And, and, you know, it's always the, the surprises that, that uh, make these things special. <laughs> Absolutely. And the view today... The view today is pretty special too mm. out here at New Minor. Last question, uh, Words and Notes always asks this final question, why do you write? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's hard, you know, because I, I, I've been writing professionally for, for 25 or more years and before that I guess I was writing in an amateur way, uh, you know, learning how, how to write. And to this day, I think I fight a, a, a battle each week, asking myself the question of why I'm writing and why, why I'm doing this. And um, it doesn't get any easier. So I haven't resolved the question of why I write, and, and I don't think I ever will. Maybe at one point when I, when I stop writing, I'll think back to why I did write. Um, really and interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it always seems contingent to me, and it's not something, I never have the feeling that there are people waiting for me and waiting <laughs> to, to hear what I've got to say. I, I, need to, I need to earn my readers every time. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that it's an ongoing question that you ask yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I think I've uh, um, successfully evaded answering the question, <laughs> but but that's because I have no answer for yeah, it. Yeah, no, and it's a tough question. Mm. It is, and that's why I like to hit you with it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, and I will let you out of the kitchen now, and you can go and enjoy the beautiful festival and the view. So thank you so much. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me.